Hello, this is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Today is Tuesday, March 12th, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour, a daily podcast with two producers on opposite coasts reaching out to our filmmaking and live event community to hear your stories about how the pandemic has affected you, your life, and your work. Your stories let us know that we're not alone. It's important for us to keep sharing our experiences, our ideas. Email us or better yet, record a one to two minute voice memo and send it to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Just follow the instructions on our website, producershappyhour.com. And please share this show with your friends, your colleagues, uh, your family. We want these stories to be heard. We know they help us and we know they're helping you. So please share. Yes. Christian, today we're chatting with Kestrin Pantera, who is a powerhouse filmmaker. I mean, literally, the New York Times called her a force. <laughs> she she wrote and directed a film called Mother's Little Helpers, and she was scheduled to release it just as a pandemic hit. But instead of shelving the film for a safer time, she's adapted with a digital release and is working on creating a mobile drive-in experience rather than a theater tour. So just being being inventive. She's uh, definitely fluid. Oh, I can't do this. Let me float on over and do this. Just innovative and creative and definitely thinking outside the proverbial box. So very excited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Christian, what's going on with you today? Tuesday, Uh, (laughs) week week (laughs) 3000. You know, it's beautiful outside. So trying to get spring cleaning done and Mm. keeping my mind off of other things. I know that, you know, I'm getting... You know, texts and emails and, you know, phone calls from friends and just rumors. So California is going to start filming in June or, (laughs) you know, Texas is doing it right Uh now. Or Uh I know an AC who's doing a checkout today in Chicago. And (laughs) (laughs) and for me, it just feels very. I'm I'm glad that that stuff yeah. is happening and that some people can work. I just am again, you know, concerned about what it's going to look like. And I, you couldn't pay me to go on. To, <laughs> you couldn't pay me. Huh? You couldn't pay me to go on a film set right now. Just couldn't. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's the opinion, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. The opinion out there. There are absolutely crew members that I've spoken in the last couple of days privately who would not care to share their opinion publicly. But uh, there are definitely feelings out there of like, I don't think that it's as bad as it is, and I would absolutely go back to work. Yeah, uh huh. I have friends as well who mm-hmm. feel that very, very strongly. They're not deniers, but mm-hmm. they just think it's not as bad as the reports have made it out to be and with the proper safety measures it's safe right and so i begin to think and it's beginning to question Uh i'm not a right or wrong person i'm i love to be shown a a way to do something more efficiently something differently a better oh is this a better idea fantastic and i've often Mm -hmm. told my close teams that if it's something i'm asking you to do feels sounds wrong tell me Please, I'm not a dictator here. (laughs) And so I'm beginning to feel like, do I, what do I need to begin to do in order to understand more about the people who are willing to go work? Mm -hmm. And I know crew crew roundtables are helping. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, like Frankie yesterday, she's ready to go back to work. Exactly. And someone like Margina, although she wasn't quite as adamant to get back to work as as Frankie was, she made a good point that Mm -hmm. in her department, they already have these sanitary, you know, they yeah. already are. I mean, they're not wearing masks, but, you know, they are very 
But they could wear a mask. Cautious. Yeah, they could wear a mask. They could just add a mask and they're already as cautious as they... And they're already as cautious as mm-hmm. they probably need to be mm-hmm. for all the proper safety etiquettes and protocols. It's, I'm starting um, to feel a little conundrum here because the it's very much like our divided political society right now. There are people yeah. out there who are adamantly against opening up until where every safety measure is in place. Yep. And then there are people out there who would go to work tomorrow with nothing. And yeah. I'm just hearing all of it is forming my opinions, but I'm still on the side of caution. Yeah. Well, and that's it's but nervous. okay to be cautious. <laughs> but nervous and also don't want to feel like, you know, am I... How could I think about this in a different way? Right. So that's kind of where I'm at today. How are you? Your hair looks nice. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> I think I'm in the same boat. You know, there's still so many questions about everything. And, you know, Fauci is testifying today. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he's so great. So I'm, I'm curious to hear the wrap up on that to see what exactly he's saying. The Rand Paul exchange was interesting, so I would suggest taking a look at that. But go on. We'll take a look at that. But Mm -hmm. yeah, so, you know, it just feels like so much of at least this country and and maybe the UK is just being forcibly pushed into a direction by the leadership that makes us all feel uncomfortable. I mean... (sighs) But, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Exactly. And know. Um, at some point when you hear it enough, you begin to think to yourself, am I the one who is not yeah. bending mm-hmm. here? Am I the one yeah. who is believing a stringent side of what's happening right. versus not listening to everything? Yeah, exactly. Which means you're at least... I'm uncomfortable. Po- pondering this mm-hmm. possibility and you're not closed off to it, Right. I'm not closed off to it at all. I feel almost (laughs) like Fauci, where it's an overabundance of caution that he has Mm -hmm. in explaining it. However, if you have to do it, this should be how you do it. And I mean, there's also this other aspect of it of, you know, at least for me, and I think maybe this is where my head's been at for the past week or so, is, you know, and I've said this on the show before, 2019 was a great year for me. Uh, one of my best years in terms of the volume of work, the work I did, but, but it damn near killed me. <laughs> I, was, I, was yeah. like, I was like exhausted. Yeah. And every time a job would come in, I would be like, oh, Cringe. oh my God, because yeah. they were all overlapping. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Christopher's like, you say this all the time, you know, it's going to be fine. But I'm like, no, 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 I'm like going to like collapse. Mm-hmm. But maybe maybe my hesitation comes more from the fear of going back into like old habits and old anxieties, right. uh, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I know that I've been struggling with that for a while, especially, you know, speaking to different people that I know that haven't changed their thinking are just like, okay, right. ready to go back. It's going to be the same. Yeah. So it's my fear too of um, work overload and unrealistic expectations and that's, everything. That's a, that's a big part of it. Unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens, if we go back, there are going to be compromises and it is going to affect our, our volume, our output, what we can and can't do. And mm-hmm. fighting those fights sounds exhausting. And we're the mediators <laughs> between the, mediators, the yeah. company, the money, and the client yeah. who's giving mm-hmm. us the money and the crew who is, you know, the expectations. So I just, you know, we're planners. Yeah. And there's yeah. not a real solid plan. There's so not a that, solid plan. I believe that's our hesitation. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I also have friends who are terrified to even go to the grocery store. 
Yeah. And and they work in film production and they uh-huh. are like not even thinking about, you know, stepping on right. set. That's interesting. I think there's both sides of it. There are people that are terrified and there are people that are raring to go. And somewhere in the middle is probably the, the correct response. <laughs> yeah, those people existed before and they certainly exist now. <laughs> so. Yes. <laughs> So there is an article that I found in Screen Daily, which I, I don't really know too much about this mm. outlet, but it says UK government confirms film and TV production can restart within social distancing guidelines. Wow. Yeah. And it says <laughs> film and tell, and this could be a rag, you know, I don't know. It's it's ScreenDaily.com. Aren't they all in England? I'm because, kidding. <laughs> well, I think this might be a UK rag. It's it's really hard to say. Film and television production in the UK are permitted to restart, providing all involved abide by social distancing guidelines. The Department of Digital Culture, Media and Sport has confirmed to Screen Daily. And uh, these changes come as the part of the government's latest guidelines for the coronavirus pandemic, which include the instructions all workers who cannot work from home should travel to work if their workplace is open. You know, I have to admit that I do somewhat believe the theory going that because every government has run out of unemployment money, that a reason to oh, open these a hundred percent our reason to open these yeah. businesses is to avoid paying people and to make them go back to work. Mm-hmm. And or you know, they can just print money. <laughs> <laughs> it would cause insane inflation. Yeah. But um, a- another way to look at it is they don't want people to get used to the idea of staying home and getting money from the government. Right. But the majority of people in this world want to go work. Exactly. And I don't know that, anyone big, who would be used to taking staying at home. a handout and staying home. So that's just an old way of thinking. So, I mean, it goes back to, you know, food stamps and welfare, which is yeah, yeah, never yeah, should yeah. be called that. So anyway. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Christian, we should get on with our interview. I agree. All right. But first, go to our website. The page there called Take Action has a lot of resources for you and some options there for you to volunteer, donate, do what you can to support other people in this troubling time, as well as petitions and things you can do to help make some important moves in the country that uh, are needed right now. So take a yeah. look at that. So but, take, take a look at that. But um, Lawrence, let's get on with the interview. All right. Kestrin Pantera is a writer-director. The New York Times called her a force. Her new feature film, Mother's Little Helpers, world premiered at South by Southwest in 2019. Early reviews laud the film as a wonderful, big chill-esque dramedy with big screen chemistry from the ground up. Her first feature film, Let's Ruin It with Babies, was hailed by the Los Angeles Times as honest, convincing, and just plain adorable. She created several TV series for Awesomeness TV and digital series for Facebook. Her commercial directing clients include Wired, Technicolor, Johnson & Johnson, Be The Match, and she's created additional content for Google, Coca-Cola, GE, Starwood, Intel, Best Buy, HBO, Starbucks, and Stoli. I know. Crazy. Before directing, Kestrin was a classically trained musician turned rocker, playing cello in rock bands in Los Angeles and on tour across the world. Prior to L.A., she lived in Taipei, Taiwan, where she became fluent in Mandarin and performed voiceovers for 100-plus companies in the U.S. and South Asia. Kestrin lives in Los Angeles with her family and a small menagerie of found animals. Let's take a listen. 
Hello, Kestrin. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd first like to make sure that you're okay, you're safe. How are you doing? Where are you located? Super happy, healthy, and safe. Mm-hmm. Though mentally, the homeschool is a little bit like taking its toll, mm-hmm. but um, but, but great. I mean, everyone's healthy. We're in Highland Park area, oh, uh, nice. Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Got a yard. We're co-quarantining with our next door neighbors who we carpooled mm-hmm. every day to school with. So when oh, this nice. slowly starting, we were like, we already are one Petri dish. So let's right. just say that. Keep, oh, keep it that way. I love hearing that. Yeah. So we kind of forsook our own families <laughs> in favor of just extreme local survival. So we have two parents who have full-time jobs and are doing amazing work kind of around COVID crisis related, mm. but not in the health sphere. So right. there's no exposures. They are like, you know, figuring out city planning stuff, but we all trade school hours. So we divided it up kind of roughly like each parent does two hours a day. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Wow. So you have a little, like a little classroom basically. So it's <laughs> and, academy. Yeah. yeah, no, I yeah. love it. I mean, that's, that's, it feels like the kids adjust better. From what I've heard, I don't have children, but the kids adjust better when they're able to be with their friends versus alone. I think that this, they're going to remember this is the best time of their whole life. (laughs) They're seven and four. Oh, wow. So it's great. And and thank Mm -hmm. God we didn't know our neighbors were going to be the most incredible people. You never know when you walk in with someone. Right. How's this going to go? Yeah. So give us a little, now we'll get into your film in a second, but give us a little bit of a background as to what were you doing leading up to when the pandemic hit? I imagine you were probably preparing the release of the film or were you in post-production or where? what was in your world those days? So we were planning on doing a theatrical release for my independent film, Mother's Little Helpers, which was at South by Southwest and played mm-hmm. at a bunch of festivals last year. Mm-hmm. We were getting ready to roll out at Alamo Drafthouse LA and then right. select different theaters nationwide for a national tour. Wow. Oh, so that man. was going to be May 1st, starting May 1st. And then we were supposed to be like riding around the country, but then I was shooting a movie at the same time. So it was, it was going to be kind of complicated. I was like, I'll do press from the compound, like from set, and then I'll fly back on May 1st. And then um, <laughs> we'll have wrapped the, have the movie in the can. I've done all my press. Then we're going to do like opening night at Alamo draft house, huge karaoke party in this tour bus. And then we're going to take the bus to like select cities where we do screenings with cast and crew, like in New York, the Southern circuit tour and all this stuff. And then, it just kind of, you just watch it slowly crumble like out from under. Yeah. So we're releasing it with Gravitas Ventures. So we did release it on the digital platforms as planned. That was already mm-hmm. going to happen on May 5th with a big Mother's Day weekend rollout, which was, mm-hmm. you know, of the day of filming kind of practically today. It was yesterday uh, was Mother's Day weekend. And um, it was really fun. And also the press was more complicated. So we, I mean, we just ended up doing a major pivot to digital platforms, which is what most people are doing. And we're currently investigating, you know, the whole event business has been shell-shocked. Oh yeah. And a lot of mm-hmm. people are pivoting to drive-in movie theaters. Concurrently, yeah. all the, the, the drive-in movie theaters are having more demand than they've had in the past. So we're working out ways. Um, I have another company that is a karaoke RV. It's called the RVIP Lounge. That's like a 40-foot bus that is 
very COVID unfriendly. It's like a bunch of people crammed in together with poor ventilation. So we're like, that's not going to happen for a while. For a while. So, but it is a 40 foot bus that's almost double decker in some areas. That's Mm -hmm. very, got a lot of huge surface area on the outside that we've done a lot of immersive interactive lights built out on the exterior of it. Mm -hmm. And the back has a stage that opens up like, I don't know how you, like the back pops out and then becomes Mm -hmm. a stage that outwardly faces to throngs of people. Mm -hmm. So we're working on building our own mobile drive-in screen theater. Oh, Oh. that's fantastic. Pop up Mm -hmm. drive-in movie theater anywhere. And any, any parking lot, basically wherever you find, but yeah, that sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, and we have some fun audio and projection projects kind of in the works. So it could be a cool alternative to like just going straight to VOD or just having to go to a right. drive-in movie theater in Concordia, 70 miles mm-hmm. outside of LA of like, what if we could work with these businesses that are shut down and have big parking lot spaces that are empty mm-hmm. and then fill it with socially distanced life and everyone <laughs> and, you know, give people a, a safe yeah. opportunity to get out of their house, but encourage the social distancing narrative at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, as a producer, director, creator, all the above, being nimble, it it sounds like you have uh, really thought about this instead of just sitting back and waiting to see what happens. You have, you know, remained nimble and tried to be creative. Yeah, it's the adaptive, agile mindset that went into the Mm -hmm. making of this film and kind of all my favorite filmmaking practices, which are a little bit less militaristic and top down. Right. Like, well, no, every I mean, filmmaker lost sense. their movie theater. I'm not, it's not like boo-hoo, <laughs> right. I lost my theatrical release. If there's ever been a time where we're not alone in right. our lives getting totally shafted, we're pretty mm-hmm. much on the best end of the spectrum. Right. It does feel like a loss or a grief thing. Well, there's a lot of people out there who are feeling that, but but it seems like you have made, you know, the proverbial lemonade right now. <laughs> right. In progress. I'm squeezing lemons. <laughs> As, As we speak. Exactly. Sugar. Um. <laughs> well, that's amazing. I mean, being able to shift focus and stay active rather than just kind of shelving it and waiting to see what's going to happen, which, you know, we've talked to a couple other filmmakers that they are just kind of putting their film on a shelf and waiting to see what happens. And, I love the drive-in idea. I think that is amazing. And I hope to see some, you know, exciting things come back once we're able to do that kind of thing. Now, you also mentioned that you might be directing or you are going to be directing another film and talking about possibly going into quarantine with that crew soon. Is that something you can talk about? Yeah, absolutely. It's something we've been considering, you know, when the whole COVID thing started, where you just kind of like push out your start date and then everyone mm, kind of hopes mm, and prayers mm. that it's actually going to happen. But we're all know that we're like, it's so cute how we are acting like we're going to start shooting our movie on May 1st. That's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that the blind optimism and like having a plan is really psychologically helpful for everyone. Having zoom table reads is super fun and it gives people something to look forward to. And our whole premise for the film was that it would be like summer camp where we would be on a big mm. hundred acre property out in Napa in this big house that is a central character in the film. And the, the isolation of being stuck out in a house with no phone mm-hmm. reception is right. a pivotal story point. So we were all really pumped and ready for that as well. So when we were pretending that we were going to start on May 1st, we as a group were like, okay, team, 
a lot of the actors and the producer writer, like they're all kind of co-mingled and married to one another. So it was a uniquely suited to quarantine situation where there were multiple couples that were old friends that wrote a movie together and could easily shack up in a house and share shared bedrooms were not a problem for the married couples. Mm-hmm. So we kind of, it wasn't much a pinky swear, but we, we had like very serious professional conversations about, okay, it's March 13th. We are going to quarantine now so that when we merged pods, everyone right. was healthy and safe. Healthy and mm-hmm. yeah. Now we're kind of in the same zone. I, it, it's interesting yeah. seeing things open up. I drove around yesterday because my car battery died. And oh, I no. charge it by driving. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I drove around and I saw a lot of people and I was like, this does not look like a two week from now positive situation uh, for Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Right. And this is Highland Park area. We drove through Highland Park, Atwater. Mm-hmm. We were on Sunset. We went through like the Silver Lake, Los Feliz yeah. whole um, area. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would say it was like 40% masks. There were certain areas where people were in line, but there were some places where people were just kind of hanging out with no masks. And I was like, two weeks from now, this seems like it's going to be kind of crummy. Not to be all Cassandra. Yeah, right. I'm just shocked because I feel like you guys have handled it pretty well out there. And so for people, like, I just I just don't understand the the possible setbacks just because somebody doesn't want to wear a mask. It's crazy to me. Well, it felt yeah. like we invested all this time into keeping people healthy and that just like one party in Pasadena, it just becomes a uh, Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> uh. I know. <laughs> And before COVID, I would have been at that party. So, yeah. so, I, so I mean, I talked anyway. to a nurse, like when we were doing our drive around, I drove, mm-hmm. we were driving past our old neighborhood and we were like, Hey, we're, dri- we're driving past your house right now. And to a couple of friends. So it was kind of cool. Like we, you know, we were like 20 feet away. They're like yeah, on the yeah. sidewalk and we're in the street. Everyone's wearing masks. And they, uh, we saw a nurse and she was like, it's picking up. She's like, I'm wow. the COVID. We're almost full. That's interesting. Oh, well, uh, well, I want to go back to your anti-militaristic approach that you mentioned. So we've been speaking to people about what they'd you know, like to see change or what moving forward, the changes that we need to make. And it sounds like you're already heading down this path before of unconventional ways to direct and produce. Could you talk about that a little bit more? Maybe it'll lead to some ideas how change in the industry or, you know, what we need to do moving forward. Yeah, I, th- I think that this is a friendly time for creator directors mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. talent who mm-hmm. are capable of and used to filming themselves and capable of working with, you know, technical constraints and understanding how to use equipment and also able to self-adjust to, in order to get a performance. Right. Mm-hmm. Or to talk to an agency that's like in a pop-up like RV parked outside the house that they're not interacting <laughs> with. There was one person who did, it's not live yet, so I'm not going to say any names, but I know one person who is a spokesperson for a brand mm-hmm. and also a director who directed a commercial spot for a national mm-hmm. brand. And they had cameras like put in this person's front yard, a person sterilized them, waited a couple hours in the sun, and then the person and their partner brought the cameras into the house and then nice. with the help of a DP staged outside, mm-hmm. set up three different shots and then shot a huge national commercial Wow! that they wow. self-directed. Amazing. And 
on-camera talent for. Hmm. Interesting. So it's a, one of those unique situations where not that many people have that, but because this person was right. uniquely equipped, had had experience mm-hmm. directing major uh, brand campaigns, knew how to edit, knew how to get the shot, and was also the talent. <laughs> and the partner has a job, like a real job. So then it gets into union <laughs> questions. And you're like, well, if the partner... Yeah is doing the grip job. Then yeah, what, exactly. What happens to the union? You know, there's, there's yeah. a lot of those. I mean, yeah, I agree that there are those things to think about, but I also feel like we need to give everybody a bit of a break right now because nobody's working and it's, I mean, but that's just because I don't belong to a union <laughs> and I don't have one. But I do think that, you know, if we can get and make work now and under the constraints we are, that the unions need to be hopefully a little forgiving. Well, and also, I mean, if it were a union truck driver unloading the gear and staging it in the driveway, you know, there mm-hmm. there are union opportunities in there. But exactly. A lot of the boundaries and, and constraints are going to have to be fluid for Just now. Just fluid. Exactly. I like yeah. that. And it's also fluid. interesting in contract negotiation, because then how do you pay the talent director? And then what about the spouse or partner of the person who could mm-hmm. be like, running a hedge or whatever it is that that yeah 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 like yeah like a person with a very serious job like maybe they're the ceo of like a startup but they're helping their like spouse like move stuff and get a camera focus focus, (laughs) then how do you compensate those people how do you compensate Mm -hmm. the spouse or the partner and whether it's sag or not it's it's such a it's a i think it's a per instance basis yeah this person was dga sag (laughs) <laughs> and the partner was like an executive, right? Nothing. Like, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> wow. I can't wait to guess what spot this is in less than a month. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be soon. It was supposed to go last week, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, wow. It goes. I mean, who knows? it could also get squashed because it didn't work. But. Exactly. Yeah, true, mm-hmm. true, true. But I think that it's a unique time for those kinds mm-hmm. of talents. I and agree. it's a unique time for these smaller indie movie talents and for big shows. I just think that the writers are going to have to work to write pretty small or write remote scenes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's just mm-hmm. on phone calls with each other. Right. No. Nobody's in the same room. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So being a, a producer, director, actor, and all of the above, do you have any sort of advice for other creatives who maybe aren't feeling quite as inspired to reinvent rules and, and go out there and, and you know, a, a lot of people are a little paralyzed in fear still and don't know how to reinvent. Do you have any advice for those people? Um, Yes. I am chief among people who are fearful and terrified of, of making stuff. And Mm -hmm. the only thing that beats for me and conquers that fear is a greater fear of dying and never having made the thing that I want to make or Mm -hmm. missing a deadline. I come from a military family. People generally think that I'm like a hippy dippy, mm-hmm. like tripping acid, like on the, <laughs> like in the desert because I wear like brightly colored clothes. Um, but I definitely am really fear driven. So, for example, mm-hmm. when I made Mother's Little Helpers, I had cast from TV, like network TV shows that was available to work at scale. But I, the constraint was that I had to have the film completed by January 31st. So we did a really agile pre-pro and mm-hmm. we cross shot, we lit for 360 and then we cross shot everything. So we were able to knock it out in 11 days and wow. communicated really effectively wow. with everyone and gave them co-producer and co-writer credits for the hassle basically of having a rushed pre-pro and which they very much earned. But 
after that, it was just because I knew that I would lose the best actors that I knew if mm. I didn't shoot them. And I was so depressed leading up to it. Mm. My old house had like black mold in it and I had to move out in the middle of the night. My kids were going to the emergency room. It was like crazy. Oh like I, And so we were just like l- sleeping on the floor of an apartment and then we had to buy a house and we just bought this house in the middle of like Highland Park area. And we're like, what, <laughs> what are we doing? What did we just do? <laughs> and we what? had to like... Mm renovate bathrooms and do all this stuff that I'm not equipped to do and don't like, but I had to do. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was really bummed out, even though it's such a privileged situation to be in, like running construction projects that may or may not be going well is like this weird punishment. So no. the movie for me was a means <laughs> of getting out of like feeling like I was dying inside. Right. And literally like dying in a house. <laughs> a, a black mold. <laughs> Poisoning me. Uh, yeah. So... That that all goes back to a fear of of not realizing something inside of you. And right. then after we shot the film, then we had a festival deadline. So the fear transferred mm-hmm. to if we miss the Sundance deadline or if we miss the South by application deadline. Our whole quarantine experience was transformed by we set up daily Zoom calls at 11 every single day. We knew that we were marching toward a March 5th plan. We knew that we were doing like publicity and PR. A publicist came on and just kind of donated her lifeblood to us. Um, We Mm. really found out a lot about the freelance journalism going to hell in a Mm handbasket. It was a really challenging press cycle, um, relatively speaking, compared to my other movies, which were just like, I made my last movie was like a stupid little movie, but it got written up in the LA Times, New York Times, like Marie Claire, like I was in all these magazines and like a lot of people just aren't there right now yeah. or and, and they're yeah. freaking out they're all freaking out and they're mm. writing about covid and the world crumbling so the press yeah. cycle is weird so i think for a person who is trying to do something creative now that my may 5th deadline has approached i am having to conjure up a new fear-based deadline to drive me out of the next wave of depression <laughs> and, so, and so i think that the deadline <laughs> that i'm going to conjure of course I missed the last one, which was to finish a script rewrite in time for May 5th. So that when I was in all the newspapers and like a hot commodity that I would get like, have it right. Like, the rewrite. Got your yeah. next thing ready to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and now that I'm just like kind of in a, in a wash of sea waves, <laughs> like okay. in a, in a, in a tight. We all feel that. Yeah. But I think that the fun way to look at it would be like, what can <laughs> I do? What can I do? Like, give yourself a deadline of like, okay, this is a project where I'm never going to have this much time again and scare yourself. Oh, I got a a good tip from a writer that was like, try to just put one hour a day. It's not too much time to be precious. And Mm -hmm, it's not like mm -hmm. you have to finish an opus, like put one hour a day into a creative project and then time box Mm -hmm. it with some sort of arbitrary fear-based deadline that scares you. (laughs) <laughs> right okay <laughs> sounds like my life you've been yeah, yeah i know right <laughs> like a good a good fear-based deadline is like having to deliver like a rewrite to an executive that threatens you yeah right like reaching out to a threatening executive and get them to somehow like <laughs> yeah you know or like agent agents yeah. are a real scary like deadline because you're like they're never going to take me seriously if i don't deliver on time be, yeah yeah so, yeah uh, <laughs> There you go. Man. <laughs> well, so um <laughs> putting fire under people's asses. I know. <laughs> so, we want to thank you so much for joining us today, but before we leave, I'd like to ask you one more thing. So, uh actually, you know, in either or, just choose the one you'd like to answer. So, what do you miss most 
from before or what are you going to do the very first thing that you can when you can? I know those are kind of vague, but, you know, mine is, you know, going to the bathroom in a dive bar. I can't wait to do that again. I'm very excited (laughs) about it. It's kind of my favorite thing. (laughs) I wish I had a simple answer to it because so many of the things that I love to do feel forever changed. Yeah. Like now that I know that a bathroom in a crowded Mm -hmm. bar is the Mm -hmm. highest hotspot. Right. I don't want to do that anymore. Right. Yeah. I would have totally. loved to do it before, but now I'm just like, it, I, I don't, will yeah. I ever do that again? Like, am I a yeah. 10 years from now? Maybe it's what I'm, <laughs> I, have a, I have a long-term <laughs> goal. Um, well, I would love, I would like my karaoke parties, throwing, throwing karaoke, sloppy, yeah. stinky, sweaty, like congested karaoke parties with my best friends, wow. like duets together is the thing that I miss the most and really, mm. really, really look forward to doing again. Wow. Nice. It sounds like fun. <laughs> Give us the name of your film again. And is there a website that people can see a little trailer? Yeah. The movie's called Mother's Little Helpers. And it can be found at motherslittlehelpers.co or Mother's Little Helpers Film on Instagram is the hub. Mm-hmm. It's available on all platforms. And it is a funny drama about being stuck at home with your loved ones and arguing with your aging boomer mom. So it is uh, accidentally relevant to it's very relevant <laughs> the situation, but it it has a lot of heart and I think treats it delicately. Like it's not going to break you or anything. <laughs> it does, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I saw it at the screening, but Christopher and I just watched it again last night. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful little film. So congratulations. Thank, Thank Good luck you. on all the uh, all the new ways of getting it out there into the world under these strange t- times. Yeah, and let us know if you decide to to um, go to Napa and quarantine because we'd love to to hear how people are making stuff happen now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'll also yeah. let you know if we end up doing drive-in uh, yes, mobile please. pop-up drive-in movie theaters. Yes. Absolutely. We'll send, um, we'll send our correspondents. Doing out. screenings for them. <laughs> we'll totally. send our correspondent out to come uh, see. That would be yeah. Lawrence. That would be me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in New York, so I can't. <laughs> Unless you drive it on here. So. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Yeah, never. All right. Thank I'm you, Kestrin. Thanks, guys. Thank yeah. you. Bye. 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 She's awesome, dude. Powerhouse, right? Like, how long have you known her? Probably as long as I've known Christopher. Ten years, I guess. Maybe. Wow. So she, yeah, powerhouse, tons of energy, and very positive. It's always it's so nice to speak to somebody who is so grounded and positive, um, yet creative, and she just has it all. She's got all these other projects. She always has projects going on. So this RVIP, pivoting that to turn it into some sort of mobile screen so they can do drive-in. I mean, genius. I mean, genius. I mean, she's just taking her concept and tweaking it to the moment, which I feel not that it's a race or comparatively any of that. It's just, again, the old adage of making lemonade out of lemons. So very positive, and I love it. Check out her film, motherslittlehelper.co. It's a great film, and it is very timely. It is a family stuck at home. Very <laughs> arguing, arguing I, with their boomer mom. <laughs> very interesting. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, Lawrence, this show is edited and co-produced by Rob Bloomkey. Artwork and logo design by Christopher Daniels. And our music was composed by Kyle Puccia. Thanks everybody for listening. We're back tomorrow with another crew safety roundtable. This one's going to feature all art department people. Oh. So excited yeah, to hear what they have to say. I know. Interesting, yes. Because <laughs> they get their hands dirty. They get their hands say. dirty. Mm-hmm. So until then, stay safe, stay connected, stay active, but please keep staying home. We have to keep keep doing it. 
And clean your damn phone. You know it's disgusting. <laughs> you know where you were this morning looking at tweets. Uh, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. And if you go outside, it's very, very important to wear a mask. I know I've seen a lot of you not doing it. I'm not trying to shame you. But if you can't afford one, let me know and I'll send you one. Is it the tweets that make your phone dirty? It's it's what happens during the tweets. <laughs> <laughs> send us your voice recordings or your emails to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Lawrence, how can people reach you directly? They can get me at lawrencetlewis.com or voiceoflawrence.com for my voiceover work. And Christian, I saw a brand new <laughs> Sister Christian Produces website that I have to say is pretty fantastic. I mean, I have to, listen... I got to the point where I was literally mortified that people were <laughs> visiting and looking at the old stuff because it hadn't been updated in so long. So I whipped something together. I will keep tweaking it and modifying it because, you know, what do you say on these things? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Just give what the you information. Say? You tell them what you did and hopefully they, they reach out. So, but yes, <laughs> sisterchristianproducers.com. You can get me. All right. All right. Have a good rest of your day. Bye, Lawrence. Bye.